0: Wherein Yevamos Lam Gimel and thirty three B one in the art scroll Gemara, uh, we will be continuing our discussion from uh, the last couple of recordings, and we will be concluding it. And uh, hopefully, in the next recording, we will be we will begin a new Mishnah. So, a very very quick review of the conclusion of the Gemara from uh, the last recording. We have these three cases. These three cases, which the Gemara will bring up. Uh, one more time in this recording, of a dispute between Rebukhiyah and Bar-Kapara. There are three different disputes that are discussed between Rebukhiyah and Bar-Kapara, and they seem to all be rooted within the same idea, the same underlying principle. And the conclusion of the Gemara was that the dispute is about what did their Rebbe say, what what did Rebbe say, uh, with regards to the opinion of Rebbe Shimon. And that Rebukhiyah held uh, that Rebbe said that within Rebbe Shimon, even though Rebbe Shimon holds ein iser chal isr, that the second once there is already one prohibition uh, between a person and another person in terms of a for, for prohibited relationship, or with regards to doing something, some sort of action, there is already one prohibition. So then there cannot exist another second. A second prohibition uh, cannot exist. However. Rabbi understands that within Reb Shimon, he agrees uh, to a case of bas achas, that if both prohibitions begin simultaneously at the same exact time, that's when the prohibitions start, uh, that's when they come into existence, so then there will be two prohibitions. And that is what Rebbe uh, was, was teaching in the name of Reb Shimon, according to Rebbe Shimon. Uh, Bar Kapara held that no. It's not true that even in a case where it happens at the exact same time where both prohibitions begin to exist, that there's a potential to violate both prohibitions, that starts at the exact same time. Still, there's only one prohibition. One only violates one prohibition and not both. That is essentially the dispute between Chia um, and Bar Very, very simple as a conclusion. Do, does Rabishimon Shimon... Uh, hold that there's an exception to the rule of ein iser chalal iser that the second prohibition cannot exist in a case of bebas achas when both prohibitions happen at the same exact time. The Gemara now is going to question Bar Kapara from the following brisa. The Gemara says we have the following brisa. It's a very the same two cases are in this are in the following brisa. The two out of the three cases. Zar shishimish b'shabbos. Case number one is a Yisrael, a non Kohen who uh, serves in the base of Mikdash on Shabbos. And so there are two potential violations. One is the fact that it's a non Kohen who's serving the base of Mikdash. And number two is the fact that he's doing this on Shabbos, and there's a prohibition to do this on Shabbos. Case number two is Baumumum Shishimish Mishbetumah, a Kohen who has a blemish. He's not allowed to serve in the base of Mikdash, and he does serve in the base of Mikdash. Not only does he serve in the base of Mikdash as a blemish Kohen, but he also serves in the base of Mikdash as somebody who is impure, where in general a kohen could serve if he is impure, if it's for a communal offering, but since he is a balmum, the kohen that we are referring to has a blemish. So therefore, uh, it is possible that there's only that there are two prohibitions: the fact that he's impure and the fact that he has a blemish. So the Brisa says as follows: What is the law? Is a dispute between Rabbi Yosi and Rabbi Shimon. So Rabbi says, Rabbi is of the opinion that there are two violations in both cases, that one violates both prohibitions. Rabbi Shimon says, no, Rabbi Shimon argues, and he says that no, there's only one uh, one violation. There's the violation in the first case of the fact that it's a yisrael, a non cohen who's serving in the base of Mi'kdash, and, the, and then in the second case, there's a violation of the fact that it is a blemished Kohen who is serving in the base of Middash. And those are the two cases that are discussed. The Gemara points out the obvious question. The Gemara says, V'ilu that the Brysa left out the third case. What happened to the third case? We always understood that there are three cases that are always discussed between Rubichia and Barkapara. The third case is a case of a non Kohen who eats from a bird offering which is slaughtered through Malika, done by Malika, which is not the regular way of slaughtering a kosher animal. And so, therefore, then we had a dispute between Rubichia and Barkapara. Is there, are there two violations? Certainly, everybody agrees that the Yisrael cannot eat from a bird offering which only a Kohen could eat from. But then there's a question, is there also a second violation of the fact that he's not eating kosher? According to Rabi because uh, only a Kohen is allowed to eat from this type of a slaughter, uh, so therefore there is a second violation for the Yisrael, for the non-Kohen, to eat from this animal. And according to Bar Kappara, no, there's only one violation. Once Malika was done, and it's permissible for a Kohen to eat from, that, from the bird offering, so to a Yisrael, a non-Kohen, could also eat from the bird offering. At least, it's not a violation of it not being kosher. It would be viewed as kosher. It's just a violation, according to Bar Kapara, the fact that Israel, a non-Kohen, is not allowed to eat from an offering which is only uh, designated for a Kohen to eat from. But that's left out from this from this brisa. Why is it left out uh, from this brysa? So again, just to review, the way we understood the dispute between Rabbi and Bar Kapara was within the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Within the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Rebichiyah says that Reb Shimon agrees that an exception to the rule is if it happens at the same time. If the prohibitions begin, there's a potential to violate both prohibitions. That starts at the same exact time. Bar says that no, even within Reb Shimon, there's only uh, one violation. There's no exception to the rule. So in the Brice itself, we can explain as follows. Within the Brice itself, we have the first two cases. The first two cases, it's possible that they happen at the same exact time, but it doesn't mean that the cases are referring to a case where they happen at the same exact time. It doesn't have to happen at the same exact time. We explained on on the last page that in order for it to happen at the same exact time, it has to be where a child becomes an adult on Shabbos or while he's in a state of impurity. Those are specific cases. But uh, in general, when we have those two examples, it doesn't have to happen at the same exact time. So one could clearly understand the b'risa as referring to cases where it does not happen at the same exact time. And in those cases, we have a dispute between Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Shimon. According to Rabbi Yossi, that is an exception to the rule. One does violate two prohibitions. According to Rabbi Shimon... One only violates one prohibition. And so, uh, that, could, that could be an understanding of the Brisa. So, the, the Gemara is asking, well, what about the third case? Why don't we also have the third case? If that's really the understanding of the Brisa, so then we should also have the third case as well. Sorry, just to go back uh, on the Brisa. one could understand the Brisa is not referring to, I apologize, is not referring to happening at the same time. It's not happening at the same time, which is why Rabbi Shimon says that we do follow the the idea of Ein Yisr chalal Yisr, that there's only one violation here, because it's not happening at the same time in the first two cases. According to Rabbi Yossi, there are two violations, perhaps because, uh, either because he doesn't hold of the concept of Ein Yisr chalal Yisr, that really you could have two prohibitions existing uh, at the same time, uh, or one could say that, according to Rabbi Yossi, uh, Even if he holds a so the second prohibition can't exist if there's already a a first prohibition which exists. But there's an exception to the rule of mosif, as we've had earlier, that there's a concept of mosif that in certain scenarios where that second prohibition already exists uh, with regards to other people or with regards to other areas, so then it will also exist with regards to uh, this specific person. Um, So according to Herbiosi, this can be an exception not because it's bebasachas that it's happening simultaneously, but because of the concept of Isser, mosif. But the question is, why isn't the essentially why isn't the third case mentioned in uh, in this bresa? So the Gemara says, well, leman shirei. Why was it left out? Meaning, which one, Rabbi Yossi or Shimon, would have a different opinion within that third case? Ilam the Yosi. If you want to say that Rabbi Yossi changed his mind. Not changed his mind, but had a different opinion with regards to the third case. That in with regards to the first two cases, Rabiosi said that there are two violations in each case, but in the third case, it's different. But why would that be? <laughs> but now, for Biosi, at least in the first two cases, maybe not since Mosif, but it's an Isser Kolel. The first two cases are an Isser Kolel, a different type of an exception. So, for Biosi, holds up by an Isser Kolel one has violated two prohibitions because that second prohibition uh, comes into existence because we know that it impacts other areas of law. Like with regards to Shabbos, it impacts other laws of Shabbos. And with regards to impurity, it impacts the fact that the Kohen cannot no longer eat from the Korban, even though he could eat from the Korban as a blemished Kohen, but he, now that he's in a state of impurity, he cannot eat from the Korban. So that's the concept of an Iserkola. The second prohibition does exist with regards to other areas, so it should exist also with regards to the fact that they can, cannot serve in the base of Mikdash on Shabbos or as uh, someone who has, uh, is impure, if that's the opinion of Rabbiosi, that there are that, is, that it is an exception to the rule, so then certainly there should be an exception to the rule when it happens simultaneously. If it happens simultaneously, that's more of a reason to say it's an exception to the rule. And Rabiosi should for sure hold that there are two violations in that case. And so that would be the same opinion. So if, if it's about Rebiosi, he should maintain the same position, even in the third case, and say that there are two violations here. Because it's happening. the third case is happening at the same time. It's not just a, a possibility that it happens at the same time. The third case of the slaughtering of the animal through Malika with a nail, at that very moment, that's when it becomes pro- a prohibition for the Yisrael to eat from the korban, from the sacrifice. And that very moment, it also becomes non-kosher for the Israel. So that happens at the exact same time. So in that case, certainly Rabiossi would agree that there are two two violations there. And so we should have that. If it's about the opinion of Rabiossi, we should mention the third example in the B'risa. El Shimon. It must be that the reason why they left it out is for Rab Shimon. Why? that Rab Shimon in the first two cases, he said that there's only one violation, because the first two cases are not referring to a case, at least in the Bryce, it's not referring to a case where it happens at the exact same time, that at the very same time, both prohibitions uh, now exist, that there is possibility to violate both prohibitions. That does not exist in the first two cases, but that certainly does exist in the third case. And Rub Shimon would say that even though one only violates one prohibition in the first two cases, but with regards to the last case, one violates two prohibitions, because... It happens at the same exact time. The possibility to violate both prohibitions begin at the same exact time. And that's why the b'risa doesn't mention it. That is a question on Bar Kapara Tiyufta to Bar Kapara That seems to align with Rubichiyah. Rubichiyah was the one that said that within Shimon, he does hold of one exception. There's one exception to the concept of Ein Isr Chalal Iser, And that is the case of where it happens at the same time. If, it, if both prohibitions begin at the same exact time, there's a possibility to violate both that starts at the same exact time. Then both prohibitions will exist according to Rabbi Shimon. That's how Ruby understood it, with which fits with the fact why the brisa leaves out that third case. It leaves out the third case uh, because the third case is certainly a case of bebas achas of where it happens at the same exact time. Both prohibitions begin at the same exact time. In that case, Rabbi Shimon will agree that there are two violations. So it's not mentioned in the brisa. In the Braisa, Reb Shimon is of the opinion, it's the first two cases, where there's only one violation, because it's not a case of Babazachas. It's not a case of where it happens at the same exact time. That's a big question on Bar According to Bar Kappara, Shimon holds that there's never an exception. There's never an exception to the concept of Enes or chale. So If there's never an exception, so then the third case should be mentioned in the Brysa, even if it's happening simultaneously. Both prohibitions begin at the same exact time. According to Bar Rab Shimon is of the opinion that that's not an exception to the rule. If it's not an exception to the rule, it should be mentioned in the Brysa. The fact that it's not mentioned in the Brysa is a very strong question on the opinion of Bar Kapar. And that is what the Gemara concludes. This Brysa is a very strong question on the opinion of Bar Kapar. The Gemara now moves to a different topic. Uh, it's within the same uh, cases, but it's really asking a, a specific question on the first case. The first case was Zar Shishimish Peshavah's. A non-Kohen, a Yisrael, who uh, serves on Shabbos. And that he's uh, serving the base of Mikdash on Shabbos. And the Gemara said that there's, there there seems to be a violation of Shabbos here. Uh, there's a question whether or not it's, it becomes a prohibition. Because it would be a second prohibition on top of a first prohibition. But it seems pretty clear that there's a violation independent of the first prohibition, there would be a violation on Shabbos. The Gemara says, Bemai, what exactly is the violation on Shabbos of bringing a korban? What does one violate? Which prohibition does one violate by bringing a korban on Shabbos? They say as follows, if it's about slaughtering the animal, there's a the concept of we have a concept that there are different aspects to the offerings, uh, to offering a korban. And there are different parts to it. The first part of the actual slaughtering, that's allowed, that is... That is allowed by a yisrael, a yisrael, a non-kohen is allowed to do that part of the avoda of the service of the shkita of the slaughtering of the animal. So if it's allowed by yisrael, it should be allowed on shabbos also by a yisrael, by a non-kohen. What about the other parts? part? Two other parts. One part is the accepting of the blood. That when you there's a part of just uh, in a in a in a vessel one. One takes the blood of the animal while it's being slaughtered, when it's slaughtered, and then bringing it uh, to the altar. And then there's bringing it to the altar and then sprinkling the blood on the altar. So that part, what Torah prohibition is that in, in taking the blood? Tiltal ba'amahu. All that is, is just an act of moving, taking the blood and moving it to a different part of the of Magdash. It could be that that's a rabbinic prohibition that would be viewed as a rabbinic prohibition, but we're, what we're discussing are Torah prohibitions. So, taking the blood could be viewed as a rabbinic prohibition, and even if it's a rabbinic prohibition, uh, there we have a rule that says that when it comes to in the base of Migdash itself, and with regards to the service in the base of Migdash, we say that we don't have besides for independent of Shabbos, uh, we don't the, the rabbinic prohibitions do not apply in the base of Migdash. They don't apply in the temple, which is its own discussion that rabbinic prohibitions do not apply in the temple. But in the end of the day, there won't be any violation certainly not on a, as a Torah, on a Torah, as a Torah prohibition but perhaps even there isn't a rabbinic prohibition uh, because uh, we don't have rabbinic prohibitions in the base of itself so it's not about moving the blood so what could it be ebahatara if you're going to tell me it's about the burning of the sacrifices that's that's another part of the sacri- uh, the sacrificial offering is to bring the animal and bring it to uh, the fire and it'll cause a burning of the of the uh of the altar, and you're increasing a flame, so increasing a flame, creating a flame, fire on Shabbos, that is a Torah prohibition. But vahal havar But when it comes to uh, kindling a flame, or increasing a flame on Shabbos, there's a discussion, there's a dispute. And according to that it's only a lav. It is not uh, as severe as the other Torah prohibitions, which is kares. Uh, which is an early death, but this is a, a according to Rabbi it's a regular lav, a regular lav, a regular negative commandment. One does not bring a korban chatas, one does not bring a, a, a sin offering as a as an as an offering. Um, and the assumption is, and the question that what we are discussing within this brayse and within the, in the discussion of vechiyan bar kapara are cases where one would bring a korban, and according to Rabbi if one, this is the only only prohibition on Shabbos of the thirty nine melachos of the thirty nine forbidden activity, where according to Rabbi Yossi, it is not one does not bring a korban, and so how could that be the case? Uh, it, it's what well, we're discussing are cases that in which one brings a korban. At least that's that's the assumption of the question uh, that one brings a korban. Uh, one brings a korban for what one has violated. Uh, so, that's the question of the Gemara. What exactly has one violated on Shabbos? That's a Torah prohibition that's deserving of bringing a Korban. It can't be the slaughter. The slaughter is allowed by a non It can't be the moving of the blood because that's just a rabbinic prohibition. And it can't be the bringing of the animal on the fire and it's increasing the flame because even though that's a Torah prohibition, but according to Rabiose, that is not... Uh, deserving of bringing a korban. According to others it is, but uh, at least according to Rabiossi, it's not deserving of bringing a korban. So there are two answers in the Gemara, and with this we will conclude. Amar V'Acha Bar Yaakov, Bar Yaakov says as follows, We're discussing a very specific case, uh, where it's on Yom Kippur, on Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol, the high priest brings his own korban, his own sacrifice, and there's an opinion that says, that only the kohen Gadol, only the high priest is allowed to do the Shechita in that case. He's, only allowed, he's the only one who could do the Shechting, the slaughtering of the animal. And so, therefore, that's a case where, if it happens, that's a case on Yom Kippur itself where that's taking place. And so, if anybody else were to do that, uh, that would be a violation of Shabbos, because to slaughter is a Torah prohibition on Shabbos, which one would bring a korban for, a, a sin offering uh, for such a violation. The Gemara asks, if that's the case this should even be true if it's done by, uh, a non, by another coin. forget about by Yisrael even if it's done by another coin, who's not the high priest that should also be a Torah violation Where it says yes it is it's true but it means that it's somebody who is when we say Zara it doesn't mean it means somebody who's foreign it doesn't mean who's Yisrael it means anybody who is not the coin Gadol but it's true uh, for that type of uh, an offering anybody who's not the coin Gadol uh, would be in violation, even if it's another Kohen. That is answer number one. Answer number two. And with this, we'll conclude. Masak of Ravashi. Ravashi says, The assumption of the question was that we're discussing specifically cases where there's a korban chatas, where one brings a korban. But the b'raisas, in and w- and our discussion, it doesn't mention anything about bringing a korban, bringing in off- sin offering. We're discussing violations. And when it comes to violation, so then certainly we, we discussed the fact that bringing the korban onto the uh, altar, the animal onto the altar, is a violation. It's a Torah prohibition. It's true. You don't bring a, a sin offering. But it is a violation. Uh, so we, we do have – there is a violation here. So even if it's not referring to the – if it's referring to even a regular korban, a regular sacrifice, if Israel brings it, so then there is a violation. There's a violation of increasing the flame, even if one doesn't bring a korban who do we care why do we care if there's a violation that's not for us to to, to decide if there's a violation or not that's for God to decide no theres a practical ramification La ben gemurim, with regards to what we've mentioned in the past with regards to where they are buried that there's a concept of burying them uh, uh, in in a certain area within the cemetery in a certain area where it's designated for a certain people who are righteous or certain people who are less righteous who are wicked. And so we, it's, it's important for us to determine whether or not there's a violation here in terms of understanding where they should be buried. And that is the conclusion of the Gemara. And those are the two answers of the Gemara. In the next recording, we will begin with the next Mishnah.